2: Jokic behind his back. What it tastes like Jokic. Consider. sitter. Wow. That it two. Coming for three. Jokic. Here is Jokic. Here is
0: in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am your host, Zach Nikosch, with DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network. And it is, <clears throat> it is uh obviously getting cold out here in, uh, in, in Denver because I'm uh, starting to lose my voice. Um, but it is a wonderful Monday morning here, starting off our week after what a week it was for the Nuggets. They go 4-0, taking down the New Orleans Pelicans. Anthony Davis-less New Orleans Pelicans. Let's qualify that. They also go 2-0 on a road trip against the Bulls and Cavs and then close it out with an impressive win against the Utah Jazz on Saturday. It won't get any easier for Denver, though. They've got a big week. Ahead of them, we're going to get into all of that today on our show. First off, we're going to have Daniel Lewis. He'll check in with us right after that New Orleans game. We'll break down that win and kind of what we were expecting to come up then on the road trip which we will then cover with Mr. Mike Olsen. He's out in L.A., but he'll, we'll talk about the Nuggets two-game road trip where they won both against the Bulls at the buzzer, and then uh, Cleveland just, just outclassed them on there, and then return home, of course, like we said, to, for that big win against the Jazz. I'll talk about that with Mike as well. And then me and Mr. Olsen will close out the show by looking at this big upcoming week, some tough opponents on the Nuggets' schedule. So let's not delay. First off, here we have me and Mr. Daniel Lewis talking about that big win over the New Orleans Pelicans. All right, so let's dive right in. As I said, first on the show this week, I do have Daniel Lewis. We are going to go ahead and go through that Pelicans game from last Monday night. Dan, first of all, how are you? How is Virginia? I'm doing great. It's fallout here. The leaves are all changing
3: color. I'm having a blast. It's,
0: I, I it's, it's funny you said it's it's fall out here, and I in my mind just combined the words fall, out, fall and out together. I'm like, what sort of crazy nuclear winter is Dan actually living in out there in Virginia? I must have missed something on the news, but uh, now it makes sense. It makes sense. I I do imagine the uh, falls in uh, in Virginia are quite pretty with all the uh, you guys. That's part you're, you're like in the Appalachian Mountains, right?
3: I'm. Thirty minutes from the Appalachians. Yes, there you go. Exactly. So uh,
0: we're going to get to check out some fall colors. They do a little prospecting. Head on down to Jamestown, learn about our roots. I like it. I like it. Have you have you done this already? Have you already been to Jamestown? Is Jamestown even in Virginia?
3: Uh, uh, it doesn't exist anymore. But that's the lost colony. Ah, see, <laughs> this,
0: is, this is why it's the Nuggets podcast and not an American <laughs> history podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, let's not let's not delay anymore. Um, so, Dan, I mean, uh, the Nuggets uh, against the Pelicans last night. It was a, it, it, it was a, obviously to win, and a, and that's a good thing. But there was a lot of things that were ugly. I mean, the first quarter was ugly. They looked they looked disinterested. They come out, they have a great second quarter, uh, get themselves up, have a chance to really put the game away early in the second half. They let the Pelicans get back, get all the way back. I think they came within like two points. Um, of of the nuggets maybe even within one and then of course the nuggets finally slam the door at the end when you see them them go through those kind of growing pains right where they they do well and they do bad and then they do well and then they do bad again but they end up pulling it off in the end and they win that ugly game are you are you encouraged by the resilience or are you discouraged because it was the game was far closer than it should have been
3: i'm encouraged by it um they you know they're coming off a loss so it's nice to see them bounce back and get a win they had 3 days off friday saturday sunday to prepare for this game right. so you knew that they were probably working on some other things getting ready for their upcoming games you know not just the pelicans game but their their right. following road trip that's coming up um but you know that that's definitely a game that it, a team that is not Mentally strong could let slip away. You've been off for a couple days. They're number one players out. You're just like, hey, you know what? We're gonna take it easy. Right. We got this. You know, they're starting point guards out. We got this. No problem. And I don't think that's what happened. It, you know, it might have been for part of it. It just looked like the Pelicans were making shots and the right. Nuggets weren't making shots. But like they really doubled down in the fourth quarter and got some clutch buckets. And I think you could just tell that the team was just really locked in um, and whether it was the coaching staff on the bench, just saying like, Hey guys, we've got to lock in. We've got to get this win. Um, they, they ground out one and right. they, you know, at the end of the season, those wins, they all count the same. So right. and the Nuggets have, they picked up another one.
0: Right. Yeah. I kind of, I, I'm with you on this one because the thing about it is this isn't like the NFL where you've only got 16 games. And so you're trying to dissect every individual game and every single play trying to figure out what went right, what went wrong. So you can fix those things because you lose, you lose a couple games and and your season is essentially done. I mean, this is an 82 game season. And while we all want style points and we want games like against Phoenix where Jokic comes out and gets this great triple double and, and everything looks like it's, you know, going, going perfectly. The fact of the matter is, is you've got to win these ugly games that every team uh, in the nba wins ugly games like this if, at least the good ones do you know nobody even the warriors aren't coming out and just playing perfect basketball every single game we know that but the reason that they it can win um more often than others is that like you said they've got that sort of mental resiliency uh, to overcome that and 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 I think in some ways, you know, a team like that knows that, hey, we've been there before, we've done this, we've got what it takes, we can overcome this, we can get the victory. And so on that side, it's encouraging to see the Nuggets do that because they really have done it now um, twice. You know, that game against the opener against the Clippers, they were down late in that game. It came back and won, and then in this game it looked like it was going to be a classic game where they let it slip away, and they don't. So, if, if for me, I mean, yeah, I get the discouragement because the offense looked clunky. Uh, I did think that maybe uh, in the first quarter they were doing a little bit of what you talked about about not maybe just kind of uh, overlooking the opponent, but but they were able to catch it. Whereas in the past that wasn't the case, you know. And this time they were able to catch it. They were able to right the ship just enough. And to get a win. And I do understand some of the dis- the disappointment or the uh, the angst of, of Nuggets faithful because it's like, man, it would be totally different if the offense didn't look just so clunky like it did uh, against Pelicans. But I just think everybody's looking at it. They're saying, here we go again. Uh, We're once again, you know, we can't seem to figure this out. We're getting off to a slow start. Jokic is looking passive, so on and so forth. Uh, and I don't disagree with that. But the the, the key difference is is they won the game, you know. Right. So like that, even with all that, they overcame it. So that alone should encourage people to show, hey, this team is growing and they're capable of winning games uh, that they weren't last year, even when they still aren't playing their best. Um, I,
3: I, I want to bring up a point. You know, and we've kind of seen that with the commenters and things. It just kind of seems like the mood is kind of this like skeptical. Like, did we actually right. really win? And right. I want to I want to bring up. You know, for years the you know, before the Warriors were the Warriors, the team that everybody aspired to be was the Spurs. Yep. And the Spurs they were well known throughout the Tim Duncan era for they won home games. They beat you know, they beat good teams, they beat bad teams at home, and then they would just grind out wins on the road. And at the end of the season you looked and they won fifty games. They didn't really have too many blowouts, but you know they managed their minutes well they played hard and they just did enough with, they just did enough to win at the end of the game and um i th- i feel like this is un unfamiliar territory for the nuggets but like this this is a good team like right. th- th- they have a lot of chemistry which is something that the spurs had th- you know these guys have been playing together for a long time there's a good mix of old guys and young guys um you're getting contributions from a lot of different people every night but but there are three key guys that are contributing every single night. And then they're just relying on other guys to kind of step up on a nightly basis and to kind of win their matchup. And right. I, I think that's what the Nuggets did against the Clippers. Like you mentioned, uh, they, they lost the match at the Boban, but they kind of were just like, we're just going <laughs> to wait that one out. And we're going right. to, when the game ends, we're going to win. And then against the Pelicans, you know, like they were like, Hey, like this is a game where we're going to show how mentally strong we are. We're going to win the fourth quarter. And we're gonna we're gonna win or the third and the fourth quarter and we're gonna win the game, um, right. and then uh, another thing I've been thinking about too is I think this was a George Carl principle of good wins, uh, like bad wins, good losses and bad losses. Mm-hmm. Um, this would count I think as a, a bad win because it was kind of sloppy. They didn't really execute in the <laughs> in the fourth quarter, or in the beginning of the fourth quarter like they probably wanted to. But like it's a, it's a win regardless, and uh, you know I would rather have bad wins than good losses. You know using that George Carl report card. So right. yeah, it's it's unfortunate that they didn't win by like twenty points, but like it's still a win. We're five and one.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. You can't you can't complain that much when the only thing that matters, uh, the win loss record is is right now very much in favor of the Nuggets. Plus
3: I, our. Our only loss was like because Lance Stevenson
0: and Javale McGee <laughs> right. went off. Like, I, I I can live with that, right? Yeah, you, that's that's clearly not the norm, uh, and it was just a sort of an aberration. Though JaVel McGee has looked better this year. I'm not going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say he's been looking good, but you know he's 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 been looking better. But, but I, I, I was
3: doing some research before the show, and Javale McGee is have has a higher PER and more win shares this season than Carl Anthony Towns. So there you go. Good job, Minnesota. Good
0: job, Los Angeles. Good job, Los Angeles. And where's Masai Ujiri when, when you need him to (laughs) hand McGee and Max contract. Uh, So I think though, in that, in that loss of the earth, see, I even, even I called it a loss. Good gosh. Uh, In the win to the Pelicans, uh, they had some, there's certainly some stuff to work on, right? Like we said, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a pretty win by any means. And I think the number one thing that, that, there's two things that people notice, and I'm, so I'm going to ask you about them both, even though I only told you I was going to ask you about one. Uh, the uh. first one is we're seeing teams now two games in a row. First, the Lakers did this. Now the, now the Pelicans, they're applying a ton of ball pressure on on Jamal Murray, and they're making it uncomfortable for him, uh, sometimes the full length of the court. Now, both the Lakers and, and, and the Pelicans have some excellent defensive guards in Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday, so they have the ability to do that. Um, But I thought I noticed that. And then the second thing I noticed, which obviously we saw, was the adjustment that Coach made by bringing Malik Beasley in for Torrey Craig. So uh, I guess, Dan, how concerned are you about that ball pressure being applied to Murray? And then uh, the follow-up would be, do you think maybe Malik Beasley or someone else should replace Torrey Craig in the starting lineup?
3: Um, I do think it's a little bit concerning with Jamal Murray that he's struggling with ball pressure. But, like he's he's starting off his third season like he's, right. he's still very young um i think he's what 21 22 years old like he still has a lot of way long ways to go until he's you know a seasoned veteran and that's just one thing that he may need to work on but
1: there are lots of right. things
3: jamal where he needs to work on and you know learning how to beat ball pressure is uh something that i think is easily correctable It's unfortunate, but we're also measuring him against Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball, and both of those are really tough matchups for a lot of guards. Right. So I'm not too concerned about it. Um, And then your second question was, do I think Torrey Craig should be replaced in the starting lineup? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to plug myself and say you should go to Denver Stiffs and check out an article written by an author named Daniel C. Lewis about Luke Beasley (laughs) <laughs> Replacing Tory Craig in the
0: starting lineup. Zach, did you read my article? Say what now? Did, that's did, so check out the article and then I can get your answer. All right, that's I like it. I like I like your style, Dan. Um, all right, so well, let me let me make a few comments there. Uh, I I I guess I'm a little more concerned about Jamal Murray uh, and his ball pressure issues I guess just because I think the book is out now and I think we've seen that like this this is what uh teams are going to do this is this is what they're going their strategy is going to be moving forward right now so the concern is will Jamal be able to overcome it you know Jamal we know a lot about Jamal being over, over overcome injuries his mental toughness his physical toughness uh we know that he can get himself out of shooting slumps but I think the the point guard position and his ability to handle it has always been a question, and it's mitigated by the fact that that Jokic uh, is such a great distributor himself, but the other half of that point guard position, or the other big part of it on offense, you know, is being able to get the offense set up, is being able to bring the ball up the court uh, and execute a play. And it seems like that is just being disrupted so much by by this ball pressure to the point where you know you even can't get the ball to Jokic to help you with with the distribution factor. So on that end, I'm a little bit concerned. I think you, you brought up the great point. I mean, Jamal's young. Yes, it's his third season in the NBA, but. Um, there are plenty of guys, and even a guy on our team is a great example, Gary Harris, you know, plenty of guys who are still improving at that point in their career. Most guys you would hope are still improving at that point in their career. So it's something that I think needs to be at the forefront of his mind uh, and that he's going to have to work on and, and we'll wait and see if he can do it uh, and, and improve upon it. But you're right. I mean, it's not... It's not like a fundamental issue, you're right, or or it's not like, uh, for example, it's not like with Emmanuel Moutier where his handle was just so poor that you're like, there's just no way this guy is ever going to be able to get his handle up to a level quick enough uh, to be able to be a starting point guard in the NBA right now, and and that's the way they were playing him. You know, Jamal doesn't have that issues. I think it's just something that he's probably not all that used to. Uh, He certainly didn't get a lot of that in Kentucky, and then has... Uh, maybe been exposed to it somewhat here with the Nuggets, but has always kind of had, uh, he's played a lot of off-ball with the Nuggets and has always had that, you know, secondary secondary playmakers with him. Now that teams are trying to take that away by doing this, you know, it's going to be up to him to to uh, overcome that. So uh, I'm a little little worried just because we haven't seen it, but I, I agree with you. I think it's it's a it's a correctable issue, and he's uh, he's young enough to do it. As for as for uh, replacing Torrey Craig in the starting lineup um i it's just like to me i don't know it's a it's a shuffle thing anyways the, the problem i guess i would have with it with putting malik beasley in there is you know it, it's it's uh it's an opportunity for him that you want to tell him hey you can go out and make the most of this but at the same time in the back of his mind he's gonna be like well yeah but this is only until you know five weeks from now when, when will barton is back uh or six weeks or whatever it is and then and then he's back to the uh, back to the bench Where Whereas Torrey Craig I mean probably the same issue But I think Torrey A little little more Might be a little more Understanding Of of that His role is a bench player I mean Malik is the guy Who came out and said That he was what He was going to be uh, Was he was going to be An all-star this year or, or an MVP Something like He's something outrageous uh, For a guy who is Not he really He said he wanted
3: players. to be An all-star this year
0: Yeah I, I believe that was the, That was the, the quote It was uh, Something in that In that that uh, he was going to be, you know, like an all-star. That, that's year. some
3: confidence, right there. Exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. And so I worry about killing the guy's confidence. You give him the opportunity, and then once Will Barton comes back, um, you know, suddenly he's going back to the bench, and that, how that would affect him. On the other hand, it's a big boy league, right? So hurt feelings aren't exactly what we're interested in um, here. I don't know. I, I think it's a little too early to start mixing and matching, especially when you're five and one, like Coach said. Uh, I'd probably ride it out a little bit longer, but it is an issue. I mean, we've seen teams. Pretty much abandoned Tory at the three-point line, and uh, you know if he wants to keep that starting spot, he's going to have to make him pay. Uh, I'd give him a few more games though before I before I made that move.
3: And un- unfortunately, with his, he's not you know, like Wancho can be an offensive rebounder and a screener mm-hmm. because he's a little bit taller. Right. Um, but Tory Craig is only six six, and he weighs about as much as Will Barton. Like right. he he just he cannot function just as effectively just due to his size, you know, he can put a lot of effort into it, but at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, he's only 6'6", like 190 pounds. Right. So he, if he's not knocking down three pointers when he's wide open, it's just, it's just really hard to justify playing him because especially, especially when Gary Harris and Jamal Murray are slumping from the three point line and we're not talking about it very much. Because we, you know, we have a lot of evidence that those two guys are good shooters, but so far this season they haven't been. Um, and it, it's only six games, but you know, the Nuggets are one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league, and there's, a, you know, opposing teams they have enough. They have access to the same information we do. They know, hey, these guys are slumping right now. Just pack it in the paint. Jokic can do all his drop-off passes he wants, but like if, if there's five of us inside the arc. You know, nearby the paint, he's not going to be able to thread the pass in there. Nobody's right. that good. Right. So, if if Jamal and Gary are struggling like that, you have to play someone like Beasley or Wancho more than Torrey Craig because they need to play Paul Millsap twenty five to thirty minutes a night. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't have four non shooters on there. You like you right. got to have at least three guys that can. Shoot above thirty five percent from the three point line, and uh, with Millsap and Craig, it's just not a, it's just not a good lineup combination.
0: Right, yeah, I agree. I agree hundred percent. I was gonna say that, and before you brought up about Millsap, that's the other one that's um, there too. Like you said, I mean, you expect Jamal and Gary, and and, and to Gary's credit, he's doing plenty. He's finding other ways to score uh, and, and be effective with, and, and Jamal is too. Although I think Jamal, Jamal's finding ways to score to score, um, probably more so with just with volume, uh, but. But you're right, those guys have not shot it well, and and that really does put a pinch on this offense because this offense, uh, we, I mean, we've seen it year after year. We saw it when Jokic was trying to play next to Pl- Plumley. We saw it when Jokic was playing next to Nurkic. This offense needs a clear lane uh, to be able to operate at, at its best, and without any spacing, I mean, it, it doesn't matter who's playing next to Jokic at the, at the power forward spot. If nobody's able to space the floor, you're going to be... Uh, you're going to do exactly what they're saying. Teams are packing the lane and not making making even the 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 best of passes possible. And so. I, I've been
3: really impressed with the job that Michael Malone has done this season, like getting his players to buy in defensively and just helping, you know, establish that um, chemistry and culture on the team of and everyone seems like is buying in. But like, I'm just worried that the, it's going to be the year 2020. Michael Malone is still coaching and we're still playing two traditional bigs and only three shooters with Nikola Jokic. Like, at some point, he has to realize you need at least three good three-point shooters on the floor at all times with Jokic. And, you know, you can play Millsap at the same time because he's great at setting screens. He's crafty in the post. He can isolate on the elbow and get some buckets. He gives you know a different element to their offense. You can make that work. But if, if the other three guys can't, you know if there's only two good shooters on the floor with Jokic, the offense just doesn't hum. He needs that space to pass. He needs people that he can find open on the wing. Um and he those you know, he needs those passing lanes open to find cutters.
0: Right. Um absolutely absolutely uh all right so i think we're gonna that, that's probably about all the time we have for that pelicans game uh um, we always have tons of time for mr lewis but we'll let him get out of here now so dan uh appreciate you being on as always you're welcome have a good night or have a great week go nuggets <laughs> all right well that was dan lewis talking about that win against over the new orleans pelicans definitely one of those games you know uh, you were you obviously became an expected win once you heard Anthony Davis was out. But the, I mean, New Orleans is not a bad team as we were saying. So it's 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 good to see the Nuggets. They, they it was scary there for a moment, but good to see them overcome there and get that win. They they kind of that was the theme for for the next game as well. The Nuggets. They played the Chicago Bulls uh, and, and that one uh, far, far closer than anyone expected, but you know, I think there's some sneaky things about the Bulls that are actually make them a more difficult opponent than it would appear. They do get that win basically at the buzzer and then follow up uh, beating the Cavs and then the win against the Jazz on Saturday. I want to talk about all of those games and I want to talk about what is up next uh, in the upcoming week with the Denver Nuggets. So to do that, I have Mr. Mike Olsen out in Los Angeles, California. Mike, how is LA? Is it sunny and and like seventy degrees?
2: <laughs> you uh, you should place your bets, man. I, I uh, yeah, it's that's that's pretty much the the everyday piece of LA, and and you kind of love it. And occasionally, I miss I miss the rain more than anything. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. beautiful out here, but uh, yeah, there's a same as it ever was type of aspect for sure.
0: I think uh, I think if I was in L.A., I would probably miss like December. I would want it to be kind of cold and snowy. Um, And then that's about it. I like, you know, just to get like that Christmas atmosphere. But after that, usually after that, I'm pretty much over the winter. Uh, So, too. uh, I could enjoy L.A., but it gets pretty hot there in the summer. So I guess that's the that's the downside to it
2: yeah it's it's and still even then you know we we basically we see high 80s low 90s um i i definitely one of these days when i move out of la and i will move out of la um it's it's going to be interesting acclimating to the next spot for sure
0: absolutely yeah when you're when you're used to 70s to 90s it uh, is it's quite a bit different in the rest of the country it sure is you couldn't you could just you know you'll just stay in la till you're ready to retire and then you can just retire to florida and then
2: oh perfect. Uh, yeah yeah that uh wow thanks man that's that's not the way i wanted to start that
0: <laughs> i mean i mean i didn't say you have to do that now My, yeah you know, well, you got plenty of time yeah you I'll, of
2: time. I'll, well any any place but florida but uh sorry floridians <laughs> you're, you're you're not for me apologies
0: <laughs> no, no offense no offense it's a hurricane thing exactly um, <laughs> all right well let's not not delay, Mike. Let's get into this. so because we got a lot of these these games to get in. We're going to go all the way back to uh, the the, the two game road trip. The Nuggets, of course, when you looked at this road trip, you're like, yeah, it's a two game road trip, back to back. But there's no way you could accept the loss in either two of these games. I mean, the Chicago Bulls are, are a team that that's got some young talent, but most of it's hurt. And then the Cleveland Cavaliers are an absolute mess. Uh, but when they the Nuggets get that uh, that first game against Chicago, like I said, it takes them. It uh, takes them a, basically a buzzer beater in overtime by Paul Millsap to win that game. They followed up with, with a press basically a, a, basically just a beatdown down uh, of the, of the Cleveland Cavs. Mike, which, which one is more, more impressive to you grinding out the win in overtime against the Bulls or on the back-to-back taking care of business against Cleveland?
2: You know, I think, I think probably still that overtime win against the Bulls, although um, it was quite a relief to see that and. And funny enough, um, you know, everybody talks about that Cavs win just running away, but that first quarter of that Cavs game was Ooh. very much like that first quarter of the Bulls game and the first right. quarter of so many games so far this season. And that's that's the part of it that keeps killing me as we get to the end of that first quarter and I keep thinking... I wait, what are we doing? How, how, what is happening? And then, you know, every game so far, or almost every game so far, these guys have found a way to turn that around and pull it out. And and that is not characteristic of, of last season's Nuggets. And so, um, you know, I really, I, I, out of the two, Zach, I think it really was the Bulls game where, Um, you know, I, I last year I would have seen them in overtime dropping that game just as a, Hey, we just didn't bring it today. And we're going to, we'll get them next time, basically type of an attitude. Right. And they never, they never stopped grinding. They never stopped pushing at it. And, and man, that put back by Millsap. Um, I think that was something he needed actually. I think, I think that, I think that was a big deal for him. And, um, he, it really, although he was already starting to play better than he had at the beginning of the season, it seemed like that was sort of the, the cherry on the Sunday for him to remember. Oh yeah, here's, here's who I am and I'm, I'm ready to come play. So it's good stuff.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was was a huge confidence boost for Millsap. He's been, you know, and he's been playing solid. He really had a good week overall for the team. I kind of want to agree with you. In fact, I do agree with you that the Bulls game is more impressive because, you know, the the sneaky thing about the Bulls that you don't realize, or at least uh, early in the season, we haven't realized is that, man, like Zach Levine, is 100 percent back, and that guy, yeah. that guy is going to be a problem in the NBA. You know, that guy is right now. Mm-hmm. If you're going to tell me, asking who I think the front runner uh, two weeks into the season is for most improved player, I'd say Zach Levine is certainly the one. Uh, it looks like, and he, the Nuggets, he really highlighted one of the issues that they've they've continued to have, which is uh, perimeter defense. In in though that they've the defense has been better uh, overall. He kind of showed how they still don't have anyone on the team that can take a player of that caliber on one on one and and late in games basically be like all right we're just going to give him the ball and he's going to be the guy who's going to who's going to make a play uh, the Nuggets are still struggling to find someone who can who can be their stopper in those instances, and he took advantage of that. So it was it was nice to see them kind of band together and, and get enough stops. They did play good defense on Levine uh, in the very final moments of the game, of course. And then the other thing that was big that I really like seeing in that game was you know Jokic kind of had a pretty tough tough go of it uh really for about three and a half quarters uh, yeah. especially on the offensive end yeah. and then in that last bit of the fourth quarter and then in overtime especially I mean he had uh he basically carried the team obviously yeah. Milsap gets the uh gets the put back but Jokic what scored the other eight points yeah he overtime. was the offense
2: yeah he was the offense exactly right and 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 I couldn't agree with you more it's it's so good to see that um, he and and frankly the rest of the team, and I think this is I think this is a a lot of credit to to mike malone um they they don't stop shooting and and i've heard Mike say a number of times in this early season, you know the shots are going to start falling, things are going to start working out. I'm I'm more mad about the shot that you pass up that you should have taken even if it you know if 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 you took it and it didn't go down I'd rather see that than see you tentatively pass into a worse shooting situation and right. and he's and he's hammering at home and and you know good on him that he's sticking with that message because Frankly with the poor shooting it would be really easy to say hey you stop shooting the ball and he's not done that at all And, and it's it's good to see
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, another uh, another nice move I liked by Mike Malone is on that back to back. So he rests, yeah. Hernan gomez on the uh, on the front end yeah. against that Bulls game. He doesn't play. Yeah, he comes back out in the game against Cleveland. Scores what like twenty three points. Yeah, uh, and 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 basically he was the one who carried them through that game. And and you know consistently it was just you could say Cleveland. You know, I mean you can see there's there's a an issue of, of of want to right now in, in Cleveland and <laughs> yeah. and a guy like Wancho Hernan Gomez who's you know a little a bit diff- and under the radar guy somebody they probably don't really think too much about in their game plan um there, if there's not to the want to to close out on a guy like him, yep. uh, that you're going to see what happens uh, to them. So, I, another I like that move uh, by coach. Whether you think it was so that he could keep Wancho fresh, whether it was because he just made the adjustment after the Chicago game, saying, "Hey, I need to inject some more shooting into this lineup." Uh, either way, that one paid off, and, and and was really you know because once again, like like you said, Mike, we we see this this kind of sluggishness out of the starters uh and and, and not quite getting things rolling and then this time it was it was Wancho Hernan Gomez who's the uh uh, the guy who ends up turning it around for him so uh, a good a good all-around back-to-back road trip I think uh like like you said I think the the win against Chicago is most impressive but maybe I might give Wancho my most impressive player uh, (laughs) I I
2: agree I feel the same way it was uh it was amazing, and it's really been—it's um, been enlightening to see how much the bench seems to be energizing the starters. Now, uh, certainly not something I want to see the rest of the season, right? I, I definitely want to see the starters come out right. with a little bit more fire than they've been starting most of these games with. But um, at least credit to the fact that when the bench does come in and provide that energy, um, provides you know that that lift that oftentimes um, you see the starters mm-hmm. come back in. And I think, I think, again, this is another, uh, you know, Mike Malone credit piece for me. Um, I, I don't see the hockey rotations anymore. I see, right. I see some pretty, um, you know, thoughtful, frankly, and, and creative, um, swaps in for who's, who's clicking and who's not. Um, and, and we're just deep enough that we can make that work with just about whoever's getting mashed up with who anymore. Um, I, I think, frankly um it, you know even though we're 8 and 1 and i'm i'm crazy happy about that um so many of these have been nail biters and and when our when our shots finally start falling and and i think the defense will actually continue to improve throughout the year um i, I think we're going to be a real handful this year so it's yeah. it's exciting I, we're, we're not at our best and we're still um, really doing well so uh should be right
0: fine. coach uh, coach actually mentioned that against the um at the post game against the Jazz, is that he said, "Yeah, I keep telling these guys. Imagine when we actually start hitting shots, <laughs> what, what we'll be able to do." Yeah, you know, exactly and right. That's a true a true point. You brought up a lot of good points there, Mike. That I wanted to, I wanted to touch on first. You know that that rotation thing is. You know, it, it, just an interesting thing. If you remember last year, he said, "You know, I want to th- I want to always keep either either Nikola or Paul Millsop, or Millsop, Millsap Millsap <laughs> Millsap on the uh, on the floor at the same time." Yeah. He's actually so he changed. He's kind of changed tune with that. And what it is is instead of keeping one of those two guys on the floor at the, always at, uh, at at or always having at least one of those two guys on the floor at all times, now it's he's got either Gary Harris or Jamal Murray on the floor at all times, which is kind of an interesting switch, and I and I like it because it gives. Uh, it always gives them that that kind of perimeter scoring threat. No matter what that guy that you know, hey, it, we can again we can give him the ball. Uh, he can get a set in something. So whether or not Jokic is on the floor, they've got that guy, in it, and it's really it's really opened things up uh, for for the bench. And I think it's really helped them quite a bit because they know they've got that that strong uh starter who's there to score for them the the other thing that you mentioned was was the bench bringing energy and i'm going to tie this into the next uh the next game uh against the utah jazz of course the nuggets end up running away with that one late the uh the big energy moment is is mason Plumley knocking down the (laughs) (laughs) three-pointer doing a little little steph curry shimmy afterwards and as well um Mike you see that you you see this team again with the 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 bench kind of carried them through and now now against the team we've seen it do it like I said against the uh, the Pelicans who were without Anthony Davis We saw him do it against a couple of teams who were uh maybe not the best even though they were road games and it was the back to back but that game against the jazz for all for all intents and purposes I mean that's that's two the two Northwest division heavyweights right now going at each other and and the nuggets pretty much put put them away i mean it was a back and forth game in fact the jazz even were up by nine there i think late in the third maybe early fourth uh but the nuggets just kind of once again they just put this team away Uh, i mean should we start thinking about them as as the front runners for for the northwest division i mean is this a team that now you you know the expectations were hey let's maybe get to the playoffs maybe try and get get home court now is this a team we're saying hey this should be a uh top three seed in the west
2: i mean wouldn't wouldn't that be crazy only because we were the only team out of the northwest that didn't make it in last year right right so it i mean we're it would certainly be a a cool worst to first type of a story and and frankly zach i i think you know odds on we'd have to be the team that you'd be looking at just from how we've performed at the beginning of the season compared to everybody else now um you know it's it's a long season let's let's see what happens and you've still got so many great performers sitting around you um and and we've seen a couple of them already that um i think are only going to continue to get better um you know uh, you know, Portland's got something to say as well. Uh, Damien, uh, Lillard has certainly, uh, stepped his game up as well. So, um, it's going to be a fight again this year, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, as, as much as it makes me nervous to say so, I'd call us, uh, the, the guys that I would look at to possibly come out of the Northwest as, as the, the Northwest champs this year. And man, um, Gives me gives me goosebumps and, and nervous feelings just to say that all at the same time. But yeah, I it's exciting.
0: Right. Right. And I, I, you know, what? I, I tend to agree, I think, because listen, the, the Northwest is going to be, uh, is going to be a tight jumble, right? A lot of the, these teams are going to end up in the playoffs, just like last season. Any, any one of the five you could, you could make an argument can, can win this division. Obviously, Minnesota is probably the one right now you're thinking might fall off just because of the whole uh, weird Jimmy Butler scenario thing that's got They got going on over there. Yeah. Uh, but, but Oklahoma City is, is still, still very good team as portland as you said and even utah i mean the nuggets ran away with that game last night but one of the big things like i said i mean utah was right there and in fact leading had a chance to run away with it themselves Uh, and then donovan mitchell goes down with the uh uh, it looked like maybe an ankle tweak or something like that, and he ends up, you know, he has to get helped off the floor. Yeah. You kind of saw the air just kind of come out of them uh, when that happened, and and that's really when the Nuggets pretty much put this uh, put the game away. So you know, I, I wouldn't. Yes, it, uh, when you look at the box score at the end of the night, it looks like the Nuggets kind of blew him out. But uh, you know, I would I would temper your your takes on the Nuggets. Being better than the Jazz right now, just because there was there was some smaller things happening in the game within the game there that I think uh, that contributed to that that aren't necessarily indicative of the long term prospects for utah so i would i would say that it's still uh it's still very much up in the air but i mean there's there's no reason to think that denver shouldn't uh win this win this division because because you know the schedule right now for them is is fairly soft but they're they're doing exactly what they should be doing if they're going to be a top team uh in the is they're taking
1: care of business and
0: and beating the teams they should and then winning the games against good teams at home you know they're they're they've done everything right thus far and there is a ton of firepower that is not playing right now on this team that is going to they're going to get back uh in the coming months you know we know Will Barton is out probably may maybe another or at least will be reevaluated now about in about 5 or so weeks um Adrian Wojnarowski last night. I don't know if I would say this re- was reporting, or but he at least when he t- he tweeted out that uh, Isaiah Thomas should be coming back sometime in December uh, for the Denver Nuggets. We don't know where Michael Porter Jr. is at right now, but there's another guy who's uh, still waiting in the wings. I mean, the, the Nuggets. There is there is a lot of of pieces that are still um, not not on the court, and and despite that. They are coming out and, and winning these basketball games, so I, I like i said it it's a tight race uh but I think that you would be silly to think uh that that they shouldn't at least be considered uh among the favorites to to win the division um <clears throat> All right. Tell you what we'll do. Let's go ahead. Let's hit a break uh, right now. And then when we come back, we will shift gears and we will look ahead. Another big week, another tough week uh, for the Nuggets on the horizon. So we will take uh, a look at that and we'll do it right after the break. Back into the Pickaxe Pundit Show. Zach Decosh and Mike Olson. We uh, finished up uh, recapping last week by. Going over that uh, road trip and the Utah Jazz game. Now I want to take our focus, turn it towards what we've got upcoming this week, including what's going to happen tonight. The Nuggets are going to be against the Boston Celtics. Of course, Boston. Uh, I think most team, most people's pick to be the front runner to come out of the Eastern Conference uh, in in the and and probably play the Warriors in the NBA Finals. Obviously, they they were a Eastern Conference Finals team last year got beat by LeBron but they did that without the services of Kyrie Irving or Gordon Hayward both of those guys are back they still have the great young players of you know Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum Terry Rozier uh Al Horford uh as well uh, to to kind of be the linchpin the veteran linchpin that brings it all together that is on the horizon, and then at the end of the end of the week, they play basically another team that is uh, considered one of the contenders to come out of the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks. So of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the the uh, MV, early MVP candidate uh, out of the East, Milwaukee playing very well, seven and one right now at least. So um, that is another team that uh, is going to present some problems for the Nuggets on the horizon, both home games. Uh, So that should help. But Mike, if you had to if you had to pick one of the two, which game do you think uh, is going to be a tougher, tougher matchup for Denver?
2: You know, um, they're they're both tough games and it's a great question, Zach. I I think, um, you know, Giannis presents uh, Giannis is is what I, I think everybody thought JaVale McGee could be someday um he's he's just he's he's incredible just everything he's capable of doing um he the the angles he can score from the the dunks he makes out of out of nowhere um he he just blows my mind and and he's he really uh you know sometimes even plays the point for them uh similar to to jokic but we've always performed so well against them including with Giannis. and and so um, as As much as they scare me and and they're better this year the the Celtics man they're just just stacked across the board and and I don't think I think they're very similar to the nuggets in that I'm not sure they've still found their rhythm yet um you know putting right. putting those two really great guys back into the mix um in in Kyrie and uh Gordon Hayward. Uh, I don't think that they've actually completely assimilated all of that together and man when they do uh, Watch out for those guys because Hayward is already off to a torrid start Um, I think everybody just kind of has to figure out their place in the pecking order there Um, that that team just scares the hell out of me, so um, They're both going to be great contests. I, I think we could you know, I can see us uh, easily going zero and two, just as much as I can see us going two and zero. But um, it's it's Boston out of those two that really makes me go, "Wow, we we better bring our A game." Uh, period, to to make sure we step out of that one with a win, even at home.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. Milwaukee added Brook Lopez um, this season, so that makes. That the, the biggest thing that Milwaukee struggled with, it, it, obviously when they play Denver, is Jokic. I mean, he I think he's got he basically gets a triple double every time he t- plays them. <laughs> exactly. um, and yeah. up until this point, you know, they, a lot of that's been because I think they've they've tried to defend him with a mixture of like Thon Maker uh and john Hansen kind of guys guys who just really don't have the skill level uh or or the 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 fundamental abilities to to be able to defend him brooke lopez is a little bit more of a challenge for Jokic, so that'll be kind of an interesting uh, interesting thing to see obviously chris middleton has also uh, been playing very well for for milwaukee though though the nuggets uh will have gary harris uh, available to to probably put on put on him, and I imagine or Torrey Craig that they'll they'll probably go that way. So I, they've got the defenders there. The thing is, obviously, Giannis uh, presents the the issue because, like you said, Mike, he's like he you know imagine if JaVale McGee lived up to his hype and also played yeah. point guard exactly, you know, then th- exactly. That, that, yeah. that's what you would have yeah. uh, in Giannis on Cuba, which is um, it is just it would be, obviously is a crazy a uh, crazy matchup nightmare. Now, obviously, I I think. Denver will put Paul Millsap on him which will be interesting to see though I th- there's probably not too many players out there who will be a better at just containing Jan. It's not I yeah. mean th- he's just, not going to stop him he's nah. not going to shut him down just but slow he'll be down. able right he'll be able to slow him down he's going to make him work for it you know he's going to he's going to play him physically and 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 I think that that makes me makes me a little bit more optimistic. Whereas when I look at Boston, you know, man, Oof. I think okay, so um, they the come Nuggets in are gonna waves, start. Yeah.
2: just just in waves at you, it's right, crazy. Yeah.
0: right. And so you're gonna have the Nuggets are gonna obviously gonna start their lineup of Murray, Harris, um, Craig Millsap, and, and Jokic, and then that'll go against uh, Irving, Brown, Tatum. Uh, Hayward and, and Horford. So it's, I, I look across the board and I'm like, do I like the defensive matchup of Jamal Murray trying to defend Kyra Irving? Uh, I definitely do not. Uh, do I like? Uh, I I guess I'm okay with Harris against Brown. Uh, do I like Tory Craig against Jason Tatum? Not especially. No. Uh, Gordon Hayward against Paul Millsap. Maybe you know. I mean, and then and then you got of course Horford and Jokic. That's they're very they're very evenly matched. But there's just there's these the the problem is the Nuggets are going to be undersized, uh, pretty much entirely out on the perimeter and they're they're also really uh really overmatched at that point guard position so it's it's concerning for me, and you consider the depth of that team too. Guys like, yeah. you know, I mean Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris. They've got Terry Rozier. Like we said, I was just- about
2: to say that you can't you can't go back to our bench the way we have and lean on them as a right. well. Well, our bench can can come in and outpower them. That's that's not going to be the case here. So, um they are they are absolutely a nightmare matchup for us, and and I still think. You know um with what the nuggets want and what the nuggets are trying to do these are the type of measuring sticks you want to see now right and and this this i think this is great because frankly even if we lose this game and even if we lose this game badly this is the type of team right now that would basically step back up and say okay uh, what did we learn, right? What what have we right. figured out from this? This is not the type of... You, you'd mentioned earlier that um, in the Utah game, you saw the air come out of the team. The the thing I'm loving most about the Nuggets this season is even, even when they're behind, even when they're losing, even when they lost, the one game they lost, I never saw the air come out of these guys. They were... The, these guys are going to fight 82 games this season and uh i i think that's what's gonna mean great things for the nuggets by the end of the year but that celtics game may be a learning lesson <laughs> learning lesson hey that's that's uh, right. redundant uh maybe may a, a learning spot along the way so yeah
0: yeah no absolutely that's um that's a good point you know that's a team that if if you're gonna lose a game at home, that's a team you would kind of expect. You look at Boston too; they're really a team that you think like this is this is kind of where the Nuggets are trying to go, right? Exactly. You, you hope exactly. Murray can be, you know, that kind of player, and, and that Kyrie Irving is. You hope. Uh, I mean, Gary Harris and Jalen Brown are are very. Uh, I'm pretty almost identical as type of players at this point. Uh, you really hope, though. Uh, obviously, the Nuggets don't have uh, Torrey Craig. The, the, Torrey Craig and Jason Tatum is a big. Uh, there's a big talent gap right there. But yeah. uh, you. But you look at a guy like Jason Tatum, you think, man, that's that's our Michael Porter Jr. You know, right there. Uh, so that that that's the type of the type of team you're looking at. So that, it's very interesting, and it's it's going to be a, a tough matchup for them. The, the one road game they have on this. Uh, on this this week is also a tough matchup for him the uh right now as mm-hmm. of uh as of we are we me and mike talking which is on sunday the uh the memphis grizzlies if i can get my standings they're to they're, on they're five and two they're five and two in right the and Southwest, got a, yeah and they've got a game tonight against phoenix so yeah. a good chance they'll be six and two yeah uh, going in tomorrow and i think they've got another game again tomorrow um monday when this is actually the show's airing but um the i I was one of the people who said, hey, don't forget the Grizzlies uh, because they were obviously they were awful last season. But Mike Connolly was out the entire the entire year. That's that's a huge blow. I mean, I think huge. Mike Connolly, one of the most one of the more underrated, obviously not underpaid, but one of the more underrated uh, players in, in the NBA. And then they still have Marcus Saul. Um, they've made some nice additions like guys like Garrett Temple, uh, Chandler. uh chandler parsons is uh <laughs> healthy so i guess that's uh you know the they're they're a team that looks that looks like hey this is actually a potentially a team who might who might be fighting for a playoff spot another team to add to this mix um what do you think mike are you are you buying that that the grizzlies are are because if you remember i mean they were a perennial playoff contender uh, up until last season so are are you buying that they're they're back and they're they're that type of team or is this kind of just a uh slow slow your roll a little bit it's it's we're only eight, eight games into the season
2: you know um i i would go a step further actually from you zach and i think you nailed it at the beginning um i don't think they were ever really gone even though they i look i know they had a terrible season last year but you're exactly right they they were missing they were missing their engine more than anything i mean mike conley is is really a a one-of-a-kind player in this league when you look at a lot of what he can do across the board he's he's pretty unique in in what he's capable of of bringing to the table and um having somebody like that gone really you know isn't that different from a lot of teams that hadn't had some of their most important people gone over the last few years um when you've got a mike Conley and a mark gasol on your team um i think you're absolutely somebody that should be in consideration for what's going on um the, this this year in the west um i i think uh to your point, Chandler Parsons um, is definitely uh, looking like he's fully back and healthy. Off to a good start, uh, yeah. Put put those three guys on the court, and and you know, if you were just talking with a buddy and saying, "Hey, if you had these three guys on a basketball team, would you think that they would be in contention for the playoffs?" You'd have to say yes, right? And it's uh, right. so so. Yeah, I'd I'd absolutely think that the Grizzlies are going to present some problems for teams this year, and and the Nuggets being one. I mean, you know. Gasol uh Gasol is a pretty good matchup with Jokic and 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 even though Jokic has gotten the better of him the last couple times I've seen them play um it's very similar games and Gasol is a crafty dude I I certainly uh would expect that that's going to continue to be a big battle and so if you can blunt some of that and I see a lot of teams doing that trying to take the ball out of Jokic's hands and and keep uh keep him basically off the floor as it were. Um, yeah, we, we suddenly start to struggle when, when Nikola's not, uh, seen a lot of touches. So going to get interesting.
0: Right. right. You know, funny thing. I was, I was just checking in and I, I just found, out, Oh, Parsons is back out with, uh, now his knee is looking like a oh no that's right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. um but, but you know the other thing i mean obviously, obviously that's that guy's never been a big contributor for memphis but you, he's a guy who uh, kind of like you talk about the nuggets uh, a person who's kind of waiting in the wings that you if you can get him right uh another bit of firepower but like we said uh you know uh, garrett temple's been a guy who's been a big good addition to him. the other thing is that since they they were terrible last year uh they got to add jaron jackson jr who's uh a, a, a really impressive young young player. You know, one of the one of the guys. Man, was like, if hey, somehow the Nuggets could get up to a top three pick in the draft, uh, when you're when you're out there, uh yeah. The best case scenarios, but something, some guy, a guy who I thought would have been great uh, playing next to Jokic. So it'll be. I'm excited to see him. Um, it's a talented team. And I think it's a game Like if you were going to, if I was going to point to one game, uh, well, like I guess the, the, it's a toss up for me between the Memphis game or the Boston game is which one I think that would be the most likely, uh, for the nuggets to drop. So, um, Definitely, definitely a team not worth uh, overlooking. Uh, which we will—I tell you what—we will spend since we were pretty much now right at our our time. Uh, we will we'll, we'll overlook the the Brooklyn Nets, who is the other team, uh, of <laughs> course, at the Nuggets. Well, we'll let's just hope the Nuggets
2: game. doesn't don't do that. And yes, we'll be fine, right? Exactly. So,
0: yeah. Exactly. It should be a game they need to just take care of business and and knock them out. All right. Well, uh, make sure you're following everybody on Twitter. I'm at Zach Nikosh. Mike is at Visible Mike. Dan. Is is at Minuteman Dan. We're of course also at Denver Stiffs. Follow us over on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs and also on Facebook. Uh, make sure you guys are checking out the podcast network. If you I know a lot of people have been following the uh, pickaxe pundits uh podcast network that or podcast show on itunes on stitcher um that channel is so where i no longer going to post the show to that channel it will be on the denver stiffs podcast network though so uh if you're not subscribed to that on itunes or stitcher or wherever make sure you go ahead and subscribe leave us a rating and a review we would appreciate that very much uh all right mike appreciate it sir
2: thank you zach as always always a fun time
0: absolutely rk everyone we will talk to you next week